Amen. Well, I told you, uh, a total change up this morning. So we're looking at Leviticus chapter 16. So if you get your Bible, get your phone, just find a Bible app. If you're like, I don't know a Bible app, just put Leviticus 16 in your browser and it'll take you to that. And we're just going to walk through it. I was thinking this morning, really last night, I was driving home from Tennessee. I had the opportunity to go see James. I was driving home and I was thinking about, Lord, and I was asking the Lord, Lord, would you just pour out your spirit on us? Would would we have this, this, this experience of, of uh, just something fresh and new from you? And, and then I, I thought of this question. If the Holy Spirit wanted to sweep through here this morning and do something new in our hearts, questions came to my head. One, would you recognize it? Like, would you recognize that as, wait, that, that's the Holy Spirit doing something in here this morning. Another question that came to mind is, would you go with it? Would you say, like, I am on board. Let's go. Where do you want to lead us, Lord? I don't know about you. I'm going to make a confession as a pastor. Sometimes when I'm sitting down here and we're getting, you know, ready to do uh, what we're doing or we're right in the middle of it, or I get up here, like, those thoughts flash in my head, too. Like, I, oh, I got to meet them for lunch at 1215. That's going to be good. So, you know, I'm going to suggest Kava. Maybe they'll go to Kava. That'll be awesome. You know, like, I'm thinking those routes as well. Or I'm thinking, like, man, if I do that and get home in time, I can start the golf tournament, and I can watch that whole last round of the golf. Like, I'm thinking those things as well, and I'm wondering this. Is there times where the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm ready to do something new and fresh, but, like, you're somewhere else, Tom. You're floating around somewhere else. So here's what I want to pray. I just want to pray, Lord, uh, Holy Spirit, come. Maybe you will join me as I'm praying quietly to yourself, Holy Spirit, come. Come on me this morning. Let's pray. Father, would you send your spirit? Lord, we want something fresh from you. Lord, it is not that, that what we've experienced is no good. Lord, we're just asking, Lord, for something fresh, something we know is from you. Father, would we recognize it? And when we get on board and go with it this morning, Father, we believe you. I pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right, you ready to jump into this? All right, let's look at it. Leviticus chapter 16. Again, the Lord pressed this on me because Monday I'm finishing up the sermon, which I would have preached to you. And here's what I'll do. I think I'll just preach that in a, a little bit shorter version on Tuesday. I'll put it on YouTube. If you so want to watch that, it'll continue the John series. But as we get in John, we're getting into the time of Passover, and we're getting into the Passion Week where Jesus eventually goes to the cross. And so the crossover in the Old Testament idea of atonement and the sacrificial system comes into play, more so in John than any of the other Gospels. But here's the other thing I recognize, is on Wednesday nights, we're walking through the book of Revelation, and we're getting very close to the seven bowls. And if you study the seven bowls, you'll be like, wow, all of atonement is in there. The sacrificial system shows up. And so like for me, uh, as somebody who's preparing for Sunday morning and Wednesday night, I'm like, man, we're a little convergence here. And so I spent Monday, most of Monday, reviewing this passage, looking at this passage. So much so that I actually called and I talked to uh, one of my professors and said, hey, I want to walk through a couple things here as well as I'm learning about this passage. And I haven't been able to shake it and I usually I'm like, well, I'll put that on the shelf because the Holy Spirit can speak four weeks ago when I'm writing an outline and making a sermon, the same as the Lord, the Holy Spirit can speak on the spot. So every time I think, hey, let's do that right now is not always wise. But this morning I couldn't shake it. 
So much so that you'll see one of the things that happens is the priest goes in and first makes atonement sacrifice for himself and his house. And so I'm here this morning and then, and then learning, okay, we're going to be here a, a little while before we have service this morning, not having first service. And for me, you know what I did in my office? I made atonement sacrifice in my office for myself and my household. Now, I didn't burn anything in there. No animals were killed uh, this morning in my office. But there was an offering and a confession that made to the Lord for myself and my house. Because I thought, Lord, if you're going to lead me to go up and, and kind of change course and talk about atonement, then I better follow what Aaron does and offer atonement for yourself and your household first. I've never done that. Not like that. So it was a sweet time this morning. So I'm going to jump into the passage. I don't have an outline. We're just going to go. We'll see what happens. And, you know, if we're out of here in 10 minutes or uh, two hours, I don't, you know, what's the difference, right? What's the difference, really? Take a look at uh, chapter 16 of Leviticus. Chapter 16. You probably don't do a lot of free reading in Leviticus. It gets a little tough to work through. But I'm going to help you through a few passages here. And, uh, and I think that... that I think that maybe you'll get it. Think about it this way, this book. Um, you know I like baseball. If you were to tell me, yeah, Tom, we understand baseball. You throw a ball, you hit a ball. What's there more to it? I'd be like, wait a second here. You know, don't disrespect the game like that. And then I would probably walk you through maybe two hours of, of baseball, and you would be glossed over in two minutes probably. But sometimes when we think of atonement, Right? As Christians who believe in Jesus, we think of atonement, we think of it very narrowly. Jesus went to the cross, he died for my sins, and we're done. We're out. But when we read this passage, chapter 16, and then we recognize that Jesus became the once and for all of this chapter, it's so much deeper and richer. And I think it could be a blessing to us this morning. So take a look at chapter uh, 16, verse, let's start in verse 3. So we're getting direction to Aaron, the high priest. You're getting direction on how you're going to go in to the Holy of Holies. Now, there's no temple at this point. It hasn't been built. It's a tabernacle. It's like a tented temple. So if like you came this morning, right, which would be rough since it's cold and wet. But if there's no church building, we just had tents up and you came in the tents. That's kind of what we're, we're looking at here, the tabernacle. All right. And so they're getting direction on how would Aaron go into this place of the tabernacle that's called the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest is supposed to go into it. In fact, his two sons went in, kind of disrespectful to the Holy of Holies, came in drunk with alcohol and stuff. Guess what happened to them? They died, right? And so God is now giving direction, right, to Moses, to Aaron on how to enter and then what you're going to do for this concept of atonement. Take a look at verse 3. This is how Aaron is to enter the most holy place. He must first bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Now, you might have to keep track of animals here. So he's going to bring this, uh, he's going to bring in this young bull and a ram. And there's two things, a sin offering and a burnt offering. Think about sin offering. Here is a, an, an offering to the Lord to Absolve sin, if you want to say it that way. We'll talk it more in depth. And then a burnt offering is like a sacrifice of yourself. I am yours, Lord. All right? So these are the two offerings that are going to be given here. It's the same thing for us. We say, I come to the Lord. Lord, forgive me of my heart. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I want to follow you. 
It's the same concept. Those two things show up in that type of prayer. So that's what he's supposed to do first. Bring this young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. This is for Aaron and his household. So this first group is for Aaron. He's going to come and he's going to offer this for him and for his household. Verse 5. From the Israelite community, he's to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. So now he's going to take two goat and one ram. And this is going to be for the whole congregation, for the Israel community. So maybe your translation says community. Maybe it says uh, congregation. The same concept. It's, it's all of Israel. Now he's going to offer this, these two goats and this ram here on behalf of the whole people. Now, obviously today, we don't have that type of priest system. You don't have to come to me. You don't have to bring an animal. If you put the animals aside, you don't have to come to me to find forgiveness of your sins. Guess where you get to go? You can go straight to God yourself, right? But this is, what, this is what it represents, and this is what's happening in their system here. Verse 6, Aaron's to offer the bull for his own sin offering and to make atonement for himself and his household. So there's the action of it, to atone for yourself and your household first. It has that little remnants of, of Jesus, you know, get the plank, uh, you know, or the speck out of your eye, the plank out of your eye. Um, I mean, get, these, get this in order first before you go and you're trying to help the community here. It's more effective that way is what's happening. Verse 7, then he's to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the meeting tent. So on the outside of where the Holy of Holy is, you'd have, you'd have your altar. And that's where you're, you're, you're going to burn your, your, uh, your sacrifice. And so from there, he's taking the two goats. Remember, the two goats are for the community, for Israel. So it's a sin offering, a burnt offering, a ram as well. That's what's there. So you're going to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and one for the scapegoat. So casting lots is similar to what you're thinking it is. You know, have you done drawing straws? You know, remember that? To see who's going to bat first in your game? You know, that kind of thing. And the Lord takes one for the Lord and one for the scapegoat. The one for the Lord is the one that's going to be offered and sacrificed. The scapegoat has a different task entirely. Both are sin offerings. Aaron shall bring the goat whose slot falls to the Lord, and he will sacrifice it for a sin offering. Down to verse 15. He shall then slaughter the goat for the sin offering for the people and take its blood behind the curtain and do with it as he did the bull's blood. So here's what's happening. Is first he sacrifices the bull for his, him and his household, and he takes in and he sprinkles blood onto what you might call the, the Ark of the Covenant. Your translation might say, mercy seat. Anyone translation says mercy seat? Here's the concept that the top is where the top of that covenant is where God would sit and God would sit there and he would offer his mercy. And so it became known as mercy seat. So you would go in there and you're offering the blood of the sin sacrifice on the mercy seat, the place where God offers his mercy. And so he does. And then we get the same thing with the goat that we just read. For the people now, not his, his household and him, but now it's for the people. And he does the same thing. And he sprinkles the blood as well. In this way, verse 16, he will make atonement for the most high place 
because of the, get this, uncleanliness and rebellion of the Israelites, whatever their sin has been. That little phrase right there is actually a three uh, a three-point list in the Hebrew. It shows up one more time in verse 21. We get this idea of uncleanliness or iniquities, rebellion or the word transgression, whatever their sins have, all of the sins. So let's just stop for a moment. We've already got this idea that he's going to come in and he's going to offer a sin sacrifice for atonement for himself and his household and for all the people. But let's understand something. When we think of the word sin, we think of this, bad behavior, right? I mean, that's what you'd, you'd say, bad behavior. And it's not that that's not incorporated within sin, but the concepts of sin is actually, it goes much greater, or you could say it, it's much, much broader than that. Sin actually just means this, separation, you might have heard back in the youth group days, uh, maybe you were at camp and somebody said sin and they, they had a target set up and an arrow and they used this illustration. Have you ever seen this before? And they said it's, sin is like shooting at the arrow or shooting at the mark, shooting the arrow at the mark and missing. And sin is missing the mark. And it's not that that's incorrect, but it doesn't capture the fullness of what it means. It's not simply that I miss the mark, is that there is separation between the ideal and where I am, between what I'm trying to hit and where I actually am. There is separation. So when we think of this concept of sin and needing to make atonement for my sin before God, it is not that God's coming down and saying, hey, bad behavior, boy, you know, clean it up. I don't like that bad behavior. It is that God is saying, look, there is separation between us. And that separation is a problem. How is it that I have rich relationship with God when there's separation? Some of you understand. Last night, or two nights ago, excuse me, I, I uh, sat with my son, James's former baseball coach, who's been a friend a long time, and he told me this beautiful story about being estranged from his dad. Seven years, they didn't talk. It was his stepmom who called and said, I really, really want him back in your life because they have a grandson now. And I just don't want him to go and not know his grandson. And now this slow journey towards connection to the point where uh, two nights ago, like we talked after they had gone out and had dinner together. And that's what he's relaying, this beautiful story about sitting and talking with his dad almost two hours for dinner. He said that dinner could have been 15 minutes eight years ago and it had been just fine with him. What are we talking about? Separation. How is he going to have a relationship with his dad and his dad relationship with him and no chance of relationship with a grandkid if there is separation? And the concept of sin is that there is separation. There is separation between us and God. Something's not right. And that is why this atonement system came out. Now, let's talk about the word atonement for just a second before we continue on. The word atonement... We think we'll just take the place of, maybe we think of atonement that way, right? You know, make up for uh, something, you know, if you break a glass, go buy a new glass, you know, that kind of atonement. That's what we think about. So do something wrong, you know, you got to go to jail. You got 30 days, you got a year, whatever be it, you know, that's, but the Hebrew understanding of atonement and what it would mean is actually, it boils down to this, to remove the lid. Do you know that? 
So that's what it is. Further explanation, maybe? Yeah, okay. So, so let's just say today you go home and you're like, man, I am craving a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Anybody? Do you? Or is that? Yeah, okay, some of you. All right, all right, some of you, yeah. So for Sunday lunch? Really? Sunday lunch? Come on. You know? Like treat yourself. Maybe lunch out or something. So, all right. So if you go home and you're like the jar is on the counter, right? And there's your peanut butter, there's your jelly, you've got your bread there, and you're like, what do I do? Like, how do I get, I, I can't get this peanut butter on this bread. And you pick up it and you upside down and, and I can't get it out. And somebody in the room says, why don't you take the lid off? Oh, take the lid off. Well, that makes a lot of sense. That's the concept. That's atonement. That there is separation between you and your peanut butter, your jelly. And when you remove the lid, there is atonement there. Now you have access. The separation has been removed. That's the concept here. Not simply, hey, bad behavior, atone for yourself. Oh, wonderful, Christ comes and atones for me. But it's richer and deeper. It is there is separation. There's separation in the relationship. And now I will remove that separation that you might be close again. Can you think of a relationship you're not close with? Can you think of one that you would describe there's separation there? Listen, every wedding I've ever done at the altar, it is wonderful, right? There is just glowing smiles, you know. Nobody has, has said, when I'm walking through the vows, nobody said, well, we'll see if we make it. Like, no bride or groom has ever told me that. There's great joy. But I've returned to some of those bride and grooms later, and I would tell you this, there is separation. Even if they're still in the same house and trying to work the relationship, there is relational separation. It is not working. And sometimes what we think in Christianity is there's only separation when we walk away from God entirely. And some people do, sadly. But you need to remember something. This atonement system was not for unbelievers. It wasn't for people that were totally gone, right? This is for God's people. God himself understood that there needed to be something where on a regular basis, yearly for them, there was this opportunity to eliminate separation, to take that lid off, to, to take the separation away, that you might come back and be one and have connection and relationship with God. That's the concept that's found here. Now, a couple more verses, and then we'll draw it to some application, I think. Take a look at verse 21. Now he takes this, this goat not the one that he he's slaughtered his sin offering. This is going to be the scapegoat. Did you actually know the term scapegoat? You know that term, right? You've probably used it before. You know, don't make me a scapegoat kind of. Um, this is actually where this term comes from. Take a look at verse 21. He will then lay both hands on the head of the live goat, that's a scapegoat, and confess over all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all things that are sin, and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away in the wilderness in the care of somebody appointed for the task. The goat will carry on itself all the sins to a remote place, and the man shall release it into the wilderness. 
Now, I told you that, that that verse right there, those three things, they actually show up. There's three distinct things that we see. The first is uh, the wickedness. The word is, is basically iniquities is a word that shows up often. And it means this. It means injustice. And mainly, usually we're talking about injustice towards other people. How you treat someone else. So the first thing he's doing, he's putting his hand on it. He's putting his hand and he's putting all the sins of the people onto that scapegoat for everything the way they've treated anyone. Let's be honest. You treat anyone bad? Have you ever walked away and said, they didn't deserve that? Why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I think that even? That's what this iniquity, that's what the word means here. It's injustice. It's usually towards other people, how we treat them, how we think about them, how we elevate ourselves above them, that type of concept. That's the first thing that shows up. Then the word transgression in many of our translations show up, or rebellion in the NIV, and it simply means that. It's rebellion mainly from God, where God says, hey, I'd like you to do this or don't do this, and we say, no, I'm going to rebel against that. I'm going to do my own way. You know, forget you, God, on that occasion there. Or, yeah, thanks, God, but I was thinking that. And so we have iniquities and we have rebellion. Let's just be honest. Do you see yourself in any of those at times? This morning in my office when I'm making my own, you know, verbal sin offering, I'm seeing myself in that. You treated this person that way. God asked this of you. You didn't do it. And so those show up here. There's a third thing on the list. All their sins. Now remember, what did we say the word sin means? Separation. When we get into the book of John and we've been walking through it, we actually understand and see that Jesus starts to use this term sin and he uses it at least two times in John where clearly behavior is not the issue. And so you'd say, well, why does Jesus use sin here? Why does he use sin Usually it's somebody is unclean, and it says, who sinned here? What was this person's sin? Why is this person separated here? And Jesus, at least one of them, says, nobody. Nobody sinned here. Nobody behaved bad here. Jesus is speaking into the separation. And that's where we get this understanding where sin is a little broader, that there are times where it's not even your behavior or your fault but something has caused separation between you and God. If you've ever sat and you've talked with somebody who's been abused by a church leader or somebody at their church, you will understand what I'm talking about here. It wasn't their fault, and yet there is separation between them and God because they can no longer view God in the way that we sing about God every week. There is a barrier, there's a separation, there's a lid on it. And that's another idea and concept of that sin covers here. Separation entirely. Now, we'll know when we get into the law. Well, we're not getting into it, but I'll let you read it later. There are times where you, know, you might be unclean because of infection and you're put out of the town and you come back in. There is separation during that time. And when you come back in, they actually make atonement when they come back in, there's a form of sacrifice when they come back into the community. And what are they saying is, the, the lid's removed. We've made atonement. Separation is gone. Listen, when I read those things, this is what 
the priest is saying. I will take all of the times where you were not good in the way you treated other people. I will take all the times where your loving God spoke into you and you rebelled. I will take all the times where maybe you were hurt, abused, misled, manipulated in a way that caused separation, and I will put it on a scapegoat, and I'm going to send that scapegoat out into the wilderness. And this is the idea of that. May those things eat at this goat in the wilderness and not eat at you any longer. May there no longer be a separation to you. May they instead be with a single goat on his own in the wilderness, separated from community. That will be your scapegoat. You don't have to carry it yourself. That is the concept. And I don't know about you, but though we don't live the system of animals and sacrifices and this the same or coming once a year as they do, I look at that as such a powerful, merciful, loving God who says, I want to do anything I can to not have separation with the people I created and the people I love. Now, flip forward to Jesus. Jesus goes to the cross. And we say a once and for all sacrifice, and we're right. Jesus goes as a scapegoat. That Jesus goes to the cross, and he says this to you and I today. For all the times you've mistreated people, I'll take those on myself. For all the times that you just openly rebelled and said, I know, but I'm, you know, I'm this. I'm doing this. For all the times that you were hurt, abused, manipulated, and it caused separation and not understanding who God really is, I will take it all on myself. You don't have to own it anymore. You don't have to own it. That's not yours to have to walk around with anymore. I will take it. Now, can you imagine this? The scapegoat goes out into the wilderness. Could you imagine somebody in the tribe or somebody in Israel saying, I'm going to go find that goat. You know, I'm going to take back a few things. And yet we do it often as Christians. Jesus says, I will take it on myself. And yet we receive it back. And we walk with it. For some of us, it shows up in the form of you can't allow yourself to be forgiven. For some of it, you can't allow yourself to forgive someone else. For some of you, there's just a subtle little manipulation and twisting to say, well, that's not really sin. That's not really iniquity. That's not really transgression. It's okay. You know, it's kind of standard in our culture. So I do it. What's the big deal? When we look at the last one, for some of us, we've been hurt, we've been abused. Things have been dealt to us in a way where we have a hard time really connecting with God. And you know what? We just want to own those things and say, that's, that's just who I am. That's what I have to deal with. And listen, I'm not, I'm not saying this morning that all you have to do is stand up where you're at, say Jesus, and everything goes away. But when we walk to Jesus in those avenues, and we understand that he is not just dying on the cross for our iniquities and transgressions, which he certainly was, but also all the sins, as it says twice in the atonement, all the separation in any way where you've been separated from God. He wants to remove the lid so that you can have connection and that fellowship and relationship with God. And remember, he is saying this, this atonement system, for his people, not for unbelievers. 
I believe strongly this morning that the group that is in most need of Jesus for the sake of our world is believers. And so when I pray this morning for a fresh pouring out of the Holy Spirit, I, I, I don't know about you, but status quo just doesn't quite get it. That, that I want the Holy Spirit to say, no, I've taken the lid off that you can have connection with God. Now let's live this thing out. Let's be what I've designed you to be. Let's make the church that lampstand I've designed it to be. And may the power of the Holy Spirit go forth and not be able to be denied. Is that something that's appealing to you? For me, I haven't been able to shake it since I read it on Monday. I can't, I can't shake it. I can't get over the concept that our loving God will do anything to eliminate separation between me and him, even if it's my fault, even if it's been done to me. He'll do anything to remove separation. Why would I put the lid back on? Why? So here's how I want to end this morning. Um, it may be for you this morning that it may be that during this prayer time, you just need to go to God. You know the separation. It could be iniquity. It could be transgression. It could be other sin, other separation. But it's time to go before the Lord and just to offer that over to him. And then I want to give just one word at the end or one question um, when I'm done praying here, and the prayer won't be long, um, the, prayer, the question will just be this. Who has a quick, word, a quick word to testify? And we'll finish off our time hearing somebody or, or somebody's just testify. So let the Lord speak to you as we pray. Father, thank you. Lord, thank you that you love us so much. So much. You are not content with us just saying, well, I still believe in God. I believe the Bible's true. I, I know a few of the Ten Commandments. You're, like, you're not content on that. You want to have relationship with us. And we recognize there are so many things, many of which we have done that's our own fault, that have caused separation, some of which has been done to us. and haven't been our fault. But Lord, there's been barriers. And we've searched so many different ways to take the lid off. Other ways. Now, Father, this passage reminds us it is in you. And when Jesus comes, we are reminded it is in him that we're able to put this on him. And he says, I will take that. I'll take it. If you need to speak word to the Lord in any of these areas, I'm just going to be quiet and let you speak. Go ahead. Father, thank you. In your Holy Spirit again. Holy Spirit, come. We pray in your Son's name. Amen. When I asked you the question of a movement of the Holy Spirit, and I asked if, would you recognize it, and would you go with it? 
For some of you this morning, it might mean confession. I confess, Lord, forgive me here. I have to take ownership of something. For some of you, I've got to make something right. Uh, I don't know what it is, but let's finish off our time and um, however the Lord wants, just asking the question. And I realize it's risky because I could just stare at you for a minute or two and, um, and then have to say, we're done. Who has a testimony? Just a word they just felt like the Lord placed on their hearts. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Bob. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Chris. Awesome. So, it's Brian. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the confession. Uh, can I just, I'll follow up your confession this morning. I, I am sitting here. I've never thought this thought previously, but I'm saying, Lord, confess, Lord, if there be any way in me, you know that, that passage about David, <laughs> if there be any way in me, Lord. And you know what the Lord just said to my heart? Uh, he said, why don't you quit heaping guilt on people for their church attendance? Like. <laughs> I'm like, how long have you been sitting on that one, Lord? Because you, <laughs> you, you came fast with it. <laughs> and I, I did. I, I, I'm not a big crier, so there was just, I'll, I'll just say a little tears. Um, we won't call that crying. 
but there was that feeling this morning of, I've never thought that, and, but immediately, when the Lord said it, I said, yeah, I'm guilty of that. It's not my heart's desire. I, I want to see you in church because I want you to go before the Lord and offer yourself to the Lord, but it doesn't manifest itself that way all the time, and I ask your forgiveness, and I'm sorry for that. Oh. Who else? A word from the Lord? Yeah. What would keep you from de- what, what would keep you from today mending a relationship? I mean, maybe some awkwardness, discomfort, risk. Um, yeah, but I mean, what what would keep you otherwise? Oh, a word from the Lord. Who, anybody else want to share something from the Lord? Amy, please.
Amy. Oh, good. Good. Yes. I'll restart it in a minute. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Awesome. Tom? Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Nothing else. We're oh, mm. yes. you guys can duke it out. So.
there. Um, but yeah. Ray, still got Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Word from the Lord you just want to share? Let me close this by uh, saying this, and then um, if our teachers down the hall are a little upset about going long, just like tell them it was Bob's fault. So, not, so something like that. <laughs> don't don't tell me. Um, the burnt offering, which we didn't get into. The burnt offering was to offer yourself. It had to be consumed entirely, the burnt offering, to offer yourself fully. It's sacrificing yourself, saying, I am yours, Lord. I am yours. Don't end in the concept of seeking forgiveness of your sins, sending the separation way off. Then when the lid is removed, turn to God and say, God, I am yours. I am yours. You know, they did it once a year. And we say often, Jesus did it once and for all. And I wonder, why do we say that? Why don't we go the other way with it and say, Jesus did it so I could come to him every day, and every moment of every day. And every day I can come to him and, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for my iniquities, my transgressions, any of my separations. I am yours today, Jesus. I am yours. Would we go in, in that spirit today? Here's what I want to do. Um, I want to invite you, if, 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 if you need to head on, grab your kids, you got lunch plans, you got whatever, um, head on out. I just want to leave the sanctuary open, so not for your fellowship, but open that if you want to stay, if you want to pray, if you want to uh, chat about something, if you need to talk, something that kind of what we're talking about, if you want to use the altar, the space will be yours. And uh, there's a, you know, a nice fellowship hall where we can chit chat and, and do those things. So does that sound good? All right. Go with the Lord. Enjoy your Sabbath. Lord bless.